0: One of the amazing privileges of living in our time and in our country is that very few of us have to worry about where we're going to have to go for our next plate of food. There are no food shortages, and uh, if you can't get what you want from one store, then you can go to another store. And uh, if that store can't get the food that it wants from one place, it'll go to another and to another And so I think it can be very easy for us to miss the real impact and strength and punch of Jesus' claim here in verse 35, when he declares, I am the bread of life. For most of us, bread is not our basic food. In fact, in our country, bread is really a sideshow, because we have so much more than mere bread. So we eat bread normally as an accompaniment, uh, as a side order, perhaps uh, with your soup you'll have uh, a bread roll, Uh, with your burger you'll have a bap, with your curry you'll have a naan, and with your pasta you might have some garlic bread. We might even choose to eat it as a snack, and even the children these days have got breadsticks. But you know what, that's not the experience of many people for them, bread isn't just a sideshow, it's the main event. It is life. And if you don't have it, you die. That was exactly the context into which Jesus was speaking. The context in which uh, the person who earned the wage was called the bread winner. They worked in order to earn money, in order to buy the bare necessities to live their bread. No thought of uh, savings, no thought of money for holidays, no thought of money for a new outfit. And so as Jesus says those words, I am the bread of life, he is the one who is saying, without me, you cannot have life. Without me, your life cannot be sustained. Without me, there can be no reason to get up in the morning. I am the answer to your deepest need. And that is a very big claim indeed, isn't it? On the face of it, and at first glance, it might appear that Jesus is saying, look, come to me, because I'm the ultimate supermarket. After all, if you just glance back to the beginning of uh, chapter 6, uh, what's he done? He's been out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, his disciples have come up to him. And they've said, look, we've got a massive crowd around us. How are we going to feed them? And Jesus says, what have you got? And they say, well, uh, we've got a young chap, a young boy, uh, verse 8 and Uh, 9. He's got, uh, well, he's got five small barley loaves and two small fish. And Jesus says, make the people sit down. Verse 10, there was plenty of grass in that place. The men sat down, down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. Not just a little bit, but as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And verse 12, when they'd had, when not just some of them had had, but when all of them had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the, uh, with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten it. The crowd were stunned. Absolutely amazed. They realised that in Jesus, he was somebody who was really rather special. And verse 14, they immediately want to make him king by force. Why? Because it reminded them of something that had happened hundreds of years before, back in the Old Testament. Our our reading tonight was a long one, so I decided not to take us back to uh, the original events that it was pointing us back to. Back to a time when God had rescued his people out of Egypt, out of slavery, and he had then sustained them through a desert walk of 40 years. No food but for manna from heaven that he provided and the quail. You see this come out in our reading uh, this evening, verse 31. Our Fathers ate manna in the desert. You see, uh, Jesus is saying, look back. Look back to what God did before. But what Jesus says here is that, well, if, if that's all they're seeing, then they haven't fully understood what is going on. That the bread is he himself. He is the bread from heaven. And he's telling them that he hasn't just come to repeat what happened in the desert, but to fulfil everything that that miraculous provision of man appointed to. God gave bread to his people then so that they could get into the land that he promised to give them. Without that bread, they'd never have made it. That bread gave them life. Jesus here claims that he is the bread that God gives us now so that we can get to the place that he promises to take us to. That place is heaven. To be with him forever. A place we don't deserve to go, a place that actually should be off limits. For none of us, as we remembered at the beginning of our meeting tonight, none of us live the way God wants us to. We all deserve his punishments and hell. And yet Jesus says here that he is the bread of life to give us life so that we can make it to heaven. He is our only hope. Not just one out of some, but our only hope, because he is the bread of life. It's not surprising then that Jesus' words cause a stir. People were already stirred up by that amazing provision on the mountain. 5,000 people fed with just a pack lunch. And then this claim to provide spiritual food, not just for some people, but for every person. Food that would satisfy not just their hunger for today and tomorrow, but for eternity. And what it does is it serves them to ask question after question after question. And so as we catch up with Jesus in verse 25, where Peter began reading tonight, the questions just tumble out over and over again. We heard them tonight, time and again. And from those questions that are asked and the answers that Jesus gives, we see all the key issues that there are to see about what it is that Jesus is the bread of life. First off tonight, we're going to see how to reject the bread of life. Next, we'll see what you get if you accept the bread of life. And then we'll see that Well, when Jesus claims to be the bread of life, that is true. And then finally, as Jesus closes uh, this little uh, interlude, he says, this is what you're to do if you want the bread of life. So let's look at those questions and the answers that Jesus gives and we'll see, first off, how to reject the bread of life. It may seem a very strange way to start, but that's where these people were coming from. They were looking for a reason and ways to reject him. And we see this in verses 25 through to 33. And we find three questions that the crowd have in these verses. You see, them in, see the first question in verse 25, the next one in verse 28, and the third one in verse 30. And those questions reveal to us three attitudes that make anyone reject the bread of life. The first is this concern for the immediate concern for the immediate rather than the eternal do you see what the crowd asked in verse 25 Uh, when they found him on the other side of the lake they asked him Rabbi when did you get here and Jesus' answer reveals that actually he knows exactly what's on their minds he knows that actually the attitude is really look hang on a second Jesus Uh, we want our next meal what's taken you so long When did you get here? We're starving. And so Jesus answered, verse 26, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me not because you saw the miraculous signs, but because you ate. Because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You see, their concern is that their immediate needs are met. Isn't that a concern that many people have, even that you have here tonight? And listen to what Jesus warns them. He says, verse 27, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Now Jesus isn't stupid here. He knows that people need to eat physical food. But he knows that physical food isn't their or our ultimate need. Because you see, it cannot, it cannot nourish us for eternal life. It cannot help us to endure to heaven. Now, uh, look around us and you see a society that wants everything now, in which we spend now, rather than saving for the future. Very soon, people who do that are going to have a very rude awakening because there's going to be no money left for them in their retirement. That is a serious thing. But Jesus knows that however important that may be, however important our immediate needs may seem, physical food cannot meet our ultimate need or our eternal need. They're one and the same thing. If you just pause for a moment and just think about what uh, you want most in life, what concerns you most? What is your worry for this week? for next month, for next year. If we're honest, I suspect most of us would think something like health, state of our bank balance, uh, food in the larder, uh, fun, friendship, employment, retirement. But Jesus here says to us, I tell you the truth, don't be so concerned with your immediate needs that you forget the eternal And reject your need of eternal life and the bread of life. That's the first attitude that causes people to reject the bread of life. Don't be worried about the immediate future. Worry about eternity. Second attitude is confidence in self. Verse 28 comes the next question. They then asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? based on what Jesus has just said in verse 27, they think that they have got to do something in order to receive eternal life. And that attitude is so prevalent today, isn't it? What can I do to earn my way into God's good books? Maybe that's something that you even subconsciously think about. Even if you've been a Christian for a while, you worry if you've done just enough. And Jesus answers that attitude like this, verse 29. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. You see, Jesus says, all you've got to do is believe. Why? Well, back in verse 27, what does Jesus say? He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Where does that come from? From what we do know, which the Son of Man will give you will give you. The bread of life is a gift. A gift from the Son of Man. That's the Old Testament title for the one who will judge the world. The one who holds the keys to death and to life. And he is the one who will give us the bread of life. And of course, if we're going to want to receive that gift, we have to get rid of any attitude of self-confidence. Because as long as we think we can make it on our own, then we're not going to ask for a gift, are we? As long as we think we can do it on ourselves, we're never going to put out our hand and say, please, give it to me. We'll reject the bread of life. So that's the second attitude, the second way that we can reject. And the third attitude is in the next question, and it's this, it's that of having curiosity that is never satisfied. Verse 30 comes the next question. They say, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see what they're saying? They're saying, come on, Jesus, look, just prove it one more time. Do something so that we can really believe. They want proof again. And so quickly, after he's just provided them one of the greatest proofs or signs as to who he is when he fed them with that boy's packed lunch. Again, that's a very prevalent attitude, isn't it, in our society today? Never satisfied, remaining curious, but wanting God just to prove himself one more time. Oh, if only God will do that, or if only God will say that to me never satisfied, always wanting more when they've had more than enough already. And Jesus sets them and us straight very quickly. Verse 32, he says, uh, now look, hang on a second, It, it wasn't Moses that gave you that manna in the desert, it was my Father who gave it to you. And he says, it's my Father who is giving you the true bread now. The true bread is here right under your noses. But the people want to be satisfied in their curiosity. And so they refuse to see it. We have that attitude. Jesus says to us, we'll never, never want to have eternal life because we'll never want to reach out and grab it because we'll still be looking for that little bit of extra proof. Always wanting our curiosity to be satisfied and never ending up being satisfied. And so putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. If that's you here tonight, and I encourage you to uh, stop acting like judge and jury and look at the proof, look at the evidence. Check Jesus out. Check out his claims. And we'll see three of those uh, claims a little bit later on. So three attitudes that may cause you and I, those around us, to reject the bread of life, concern for the immediate, confidence in self, and curiosity that's never satisfied. And I suspect those things are part of each of our lives, aren't they, to some degree? And we're warned here that they will cause us to reject the bread of life. And just in case we're, we're ambivalent about uh, the bread of life and whether it's, it's worth really taking up what Jesus offers here, just listen to what Jesus goes on to say next. For it reveals some amazing guarantees about the bread of life that Jesus is. Because Jesus here, in these next verses, verses 34 to 40, tells us how quite amazing the bread of life is. He tells us what you get if you accept it. Verse 34, we get the next question. They say, sir, they say, from now on, give us this bread. It's not so much a question, it's a request, isn't it? And Jesus then tells them three guarantees which are for every single person, not just for today and tomorrow, not just for the next year or the next two years, or if you buy an extended warranty, well, you can have it for five years. These are guarantees that are going to last for eternity, each of them totally and utterly assured. And as we look at them, you'll see they're very, very attractive. They make the bread of life the most attractive thing on earth. The first is this. It's the guarantee of eternal satisfaction. Verse 35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never, never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. If you feed on uh, physical food, you're always going to need another meal, aren't you? If you don't believe me, go home tonight, eat a meal, and then see what happens next. Just don't have another meal and see what happens. You are going to need to eat again, aren't you? That meal that you have tonight will not satisfy you for eternity. Jesus then goes on, verse 36, he says, but as I told you, you have seen me and you still don't believe. Jesus says that uh, you're still not satisfied with the life that you have. You're still looking for something more. Uh, Lots of people promise uh, satisfaction in this life and uh, I went into uh, our store cupboard at home and I picked up a tin of Baxter's soup. Uh, It's carrot and coriander, just in case you're interested. And uh, it says this at the bottom. It says, if you're not entirely satisfied, please write, quoting the code from the can end, to Baxter's food group, uh, Future Beers, uh, Scotland, IV32, 7LD. That means that if I'm not entirely satisfied, once I've emptied the contents into the saucepan, warmed it up and eaten it, if it's just a little bit too peppery or there's too little carrot, a bit more coriander than I like, then I can write to them and I can complain. You see, that kind of guarantee, that kind of satisfaction, just can't be guaranteed, can it? Because uh, I want to say to them, look, actually, you haven't satisfied my eternal need to eat. And if I wrote to them and said, hey, Bakers, uh, I've eaten your food and I'm not entirely satisfied because I keep on needing some more, they would laugh at me, wouldn't they? But you see, with Jesus, Jesus says we are eternally satisfied. We are guaranteed satisfaction. Believe in me, and receive eternal satisfaction. That's the first guarantee. The second is the guarantee of eternal security. Verse 37 and 38. Jesus says, all, not just some, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever, not just a few people, but whoever comes to me, I will never, never drive away. You see, no one who comes to Jesus will be driven away. Uh, You may fear that you're too bad for Jesus here tonight. There may be someone here tonight who worries that, well, Jesus just wouldn't want you. He'll shut the door in your face. Well, if you come to him, Jesus says, I won't drive you away. It's a guarantee that he will welcome you and you are his. He will never reject you. And once we've come in, verse 38, he says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me. Do you see that? Once you're in, you're in. That's what Jesus says. We are secure in him forever. Once we have come to him, no need to worry that you may get lost on the way to heaven. No need to be worried about being rejected at some stage later on. So if you're wondering, perhaps, in your Christian life tonight, if you're someone who has perhaps just walked a little bit away from Jesus and wondering whether he'll have you back, the answer is yes, is yes. If you want to feed on him, you can. His arms are open, ready and willing for you to come back, here and now. And then there's the third guarantee, eternal safety. Eternal safety, verses 39 and 40. Jesus says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks for the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Do you see that at the end of verse 39 and at the end of verse 40? I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus is guaranteeing you and I, if we will feed on him, eternal life. Our life is safe in his hands. There is no fear, if we feed on him, of ending up in hell. There is no fear on missing out on heaven. Three amazing guarantees. The light of which the world has never seen nor never will see. And it makes the bread of life It makes Jesus very, very attractive. For this is what you get if you come to him. This is what he will give you. There are great reasons, aren't they, to put your faith in him? Here and now, tonight, if you are someone who has not yet started feeding on him, why not begin this evening? And it's great assurance if you have done that, that heaven is not pie in the sky when you die. It is guaranteed eternally. But maybe you're sceptical still. Maybe uh, what Jesus has been saying hasn't really hit the right note. Clearly uh, it had not for Jesus' hearers. And so as Jesus' encounter with them draws to a close, he answers their next question. By saying this, he says, uh, this is why my claims to be the bread of life are true." And it may well be tonight, that that is your question. Why? Why can I believe Jesus' claims to be the bread of life? And Jesus gives three reasons, three vital pieces of evidence for the sceptic here tonight. The first, verse 43 and 44. Jesus says this to them. Uh, they've already said, Look, how can you say I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven? Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, How can he say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus says to them, stop grumbling. Stop grumbling. And next comes the first piece of evidence. He says, the first bit of evidence is the words of God the Father. The words of God the Father. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him, comes to me. The words of God the Father point us to Jesus the Son. If you are taught by him, if you want to be taught by him, he will point you to Jesus. So why not check him out? Check out the words of God the Father see if the rest of the Bible corresponds with the New Testament. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, look, the prophets say, the prophets say this, they will be taught, all be taught by God. The Old Testament was written hundreds of years before Jesus came. And if you're still sceptical about Jesus, see whether what he is and who he is corresponds with what the Old Testament says about him. That'd be a good thing to do if you're a sceptic over the summer, wouldn't it? Check him out. There's a great book on the book school. It's called uh, The Truth About Jesus. And it does just that. It may well be that that's a book that you could gainfully read over the summer holidays. So first, the words of God the Father. Next, the witness of the Son. The witness of the Son, verse 46. Jesus says this, no one has seen the Father except the one who is from the Father. Only he has seen the Father. Which is obvious, isn't it? Unless you've been in heaven with the Father, you cannot have seen the Father. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. You see, if we want to believe who Jesus is, We need to look at his own witness, don't we? Look at the things that he does. Check him out. Because that will tell us whether he really is from heaven or not. That's what he's saying here. Check out my own witness and see if it says to you that I am the one who came down from heaven to earth. They tell you, Jesus says, that I must be from the Father. The feeding of the 5,000 tells you that I must be the bread of life. My testimony is true. Again, if you're not certain, if you're sceptical, check him out. And then the third and final piece of evidence, the warnings of history. Verses 48 through to 51. 48 through to 51, Jesus says, look. He says, I'm the bread of life. Your forefathers, they ate the manna in the desert, but they died. But here, here in me is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Those are bold words that Jesus is saying there. He says, I can give you the bread that will enable you to live forever. Bold words, except if you think about it. If you think about Jesus himself, he is the one who was crucified and rose again. He is the one who has been through death and to life. History warns us that we're all going to die. Those who ate the manna died. History warns us too that the one who has died Jesus Christ has risen. And we reject him at our peril. So folks, there are two people here, I guess, tonight. Those who believe and those who do not yet believe. To those who believe in Jesus, Jesus gives us the evidence so that we can be assured that we have not believed a lie. Three vital pieces of evidence to show that and to reassure you, you have not believed a lie. And at the same time, Jesus also gives us the answers if we are sceptics. Just think about what's on offer here. Think about the evidence and piece it together. Here is the bread of life with eternal guarantees. No fear of life or death. Satisfied, secure and safe. That's fantastic, isn't it? Do you want that? Do you have it? Do you have him? So what do we do as I close? What do we do if we want to accept it? Verses 52 to 59 Jesus says uh, feed on me he says that in short, in answer to their question, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? If I'm hungry, what do I do? If you're hungry, what do you do? You go to the supermarket, you buy a loaf of bread. And of course that loaf of bread is no use unless you take it home or even you eat it there and then. It is no use if it stays in the larder. It's no use if it stays in the bread bin. Unless I eat it, it is pointless. And that is exactly the same with the bread of life. It is pointless unless you eat. And that is what Jesus says here. You must feed upon him spiritually. That's what he says, verse 53. I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Furthermore, verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Do you see the contrast? One has life and eternal life. The other... You cannot have it. You have no life in you. One or the other. But what does eating or drinking mean? Well, if food is the thing that we eat and sustains us through this life, and without which we will die, then Jesus is saying here that we must make him our food and feed on him for eternal life. And we do that, Jesus says, by believing in him. By feeding and drinking, personally, applying to him what he has done for us. Sorry, personally applying to ourselves what he has done for us. Do you see those words? Verse 57. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me, because of who Jesus is and what he has done. Because he died upon that cross. 2,000 years ago, because he died the death that we deserve to die, because he paid the punishment for our sins. And so when he, the Son of Man, judges us, if we are those who have fed upon the bread of life and fed upon him by faith, then he will say to us, yes, you are nourished for eternal life. Yes, the slate has been wiped clean. for you have fed upon what I did for you. Let me just put it another way. Uh, I had fish and chips for lunch this Friday, and for that to happen, fish and potatoes had to die. Put it bluntly. That's what has to happen every single time you and I want to have something to eat. Something has to die, unless, of course, it's been chemically made in a laboratory. And that is exactly what had to happen for us to have eternal food. Jesus had to die to give us eternal life. Only He could pay the price that we owed His life for ours, so that we, through faith in Him, might receive life. That is how to have the truly satisfied life. That is how to have the life that is guaranteed for eternity. Do you want that? Do you have that? Jesus says it is for everyone who will come to him, who will believe in him. So as I close, can I ask you, are you feeding on him? Are you feeding on the bread of life? Don't just think about what you've had for breakfast, but think about spiritually. Who are you feeding on? Are you eating his flesh? Are you drinking his blood by faith? In Him, Or is Jesus just a starter? Is he just a sideshow? It may well be that you're someone who has come to faith in Jesus, but he just remains on the side of things. If you're holding back in the Christian life, not putting your full weight in Christ, not feeding upon him only, can I say that all you're doing is, it's a bit like going on holiday and uh, jetting off to a paradise island Arriving in the airport the other end and just staying there. You may have arrived in paradise, but you are not enjoying and experiencing all you might. That is what it is like to begin to feed on the bread of life, but just to continue to treat him as a sideshow. If that is you tonight, don't miss out on all that Jesus is offering you in this life and beyond. Don't miss out. Don't continue to treat him as a sideshow. And it may well be that you're yet someone who is still holding back from even beginning to feed on him. Can I just say to you, check out the evidence. Use this summer to do that. And if tonight you're someone who has already realised that the evidence stacks up, why not take hold of the bread of life? Why not take hold of Jesus by faith? Just as you would take hold of a bread roll on your table and begin to live in him. Why not do that tonight? Let's just take a moment of quiet, shall we? Let's think about where we are feeding. Let's think about our attitude to Jesus. And let us quietly in our hearts make our response to him.